You have heard the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. It's both a profound and disturbing statement. It's profound because it means if we are not ready to learn, nobody can teach us. But when we are ready, we discover the teacher standing right before our eyes, like an epiphany. I heard someone say, nowadays, ignorance is a choice because we have a wealth of information at our fingertips on the internet. But I don't think ignorance is a choice. I believe ignorance is just because we are not ready to receive it. We are like pigs sometimes, showered with pearls that we are not ready to appreciate. If we are not ready, even the Bible or some parts of the Bible reads like a boring book with puzzling words. For those who are ready, the Bible is the divine revelation. They are like newborn babies drinking their mother's milk, feeling nutritious, energizing, and satisfying. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. What's disturbing about this statement is that how do we become ready? We don't want to wait until 50, 60, or 100 years old to click. By then, the teacher may appear, but the time to enjoy or practice it is gone. We all know that Jesus is a great teacher, but only some people were ready to listen to him, and others, especially like the Pharisees and the scribes, were not. The sad part is, not only did they refuse to listen to him, but also silenced him by crucifying him. Unreadiness could harm not only ourselves, but also the teacher. Jesus said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your purse to pigs. If you do, they may tremble them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Matthew 7, 6. Sometimes I wonder why Jesus did not listen to his own advice. He kept throwing purse to pigs and was eventually torn to pieces by them. Of course, the obvious answer is that he cared more about those who were ready to listen than his own life. None of us wants to be a pig that does not appreciate the purse. We are showered with pearls every day, but we are not ready to receive them until we see the value. So the question is, is there a way to become ready? Is there a way to raise our consciousness so that we are not blind to the teacher or the treasure? The good news is Jesus did teach us how to raise our consciousness and have a constant epiphany. It's simple yet profound. So let's explore it now. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper, no pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. Today, I want to focus on one single verse in the Bible, the very first verse Jesus spoke in his first sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Listen to the word of the Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. 
Matthew 5.3. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you know that Jesus kicked off his teaching with a series of blessings? Eight of them precisely. It shows that he did not come to condemn the world, but bless us. As John said, from him we receive grace upon grace. These blessings are known as the Beatitudes. The problem is each of these verses might sound encrypted because it's translated from ancient Greek. What does the poor in spirit mean? If it sounds Greek to you, it is. But it's also vital to decrypt it because it reveals the key to the kingdom. This first blessing reveals the secret to heaven on earth. I call it heaven on earth because the kingdom of heaven is from eternity to eternity, from eternity past to eternity future. So it includes the present moment. It means the kingdom of God is available here and now. All you need is the consciousness of its presence. So I might say, when the seeker is ready, heaven appears. I'm sure we all want this blessing of readiness to live in heaven on earth. So let's decrypt it. The word poor is translated from Greek patokos, meaning destitute, which is beyond poor. To translate it into poor is not precise because patoko means more than poor. They must beg to survive. The precise meaning of this word is empty. A poor person may not be empty. Some poor people may live in a rundown home, uh, driving a worn-out car, and having a few dollars in their pocket. But that is not equal to being destitute or empty. After researching the context of Jesus' entire teaching, this verse could be better translated as, Blessed are the empty in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. I also discovered that the translation in Chinese Bible is more precise for this particular verse. It uses the word empty instead of poor. So your spirit must be empty to be ready for the kingdom of God. It means a spirit free of worldly desires, anxieties, and burdens. There's a story about a professor who wanted to gain wisdom. He heard about a sage living on top of a mountain so he traveled up to the hill and asked the sage to impart wisdom on him. They sat across each other at the tea table in the sage's living room, and the sage asked him a few questions. The professor kept bragging about his accomplishments, trying to prove himself as a humble man to become a student of the sage despite his achievements. Then the sage began to pour tea into the professor's cup without saying anything. When the cup is full, the sage did not stop but continued pouring over it. So the tea overflowed off the cup to the table. The professor was startled by what he saw. Oh no, sir, stop, stop, it's full. The sage said, yes, you are right. When the cup is full, it cannot be filled anymore. Then the sage bid him goodbye. Many people wrongly interpret this story as that the professor is too arrogant to learn. What they miss is that arrogance is only a symptom, not the root problem. 
Arrogance is often a cover to hide low self-esteem. So it indicates a deeper issue here. A happy person is humble. We will talk more about that later. In any case, the story provides an excellent analogy to the first blessing. Blessed are the empty in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. It means an empty cup is a ready spirit to enter heaven on earth. The famous Nicodemus came to Jesus the same way, asking Jesus to direct him to the kingdom of God. But the fact that he chose to come at night in the dark to avoid being seen shows that he had something to hide. His cup was not empty. So Jesus said he must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. He must become a child or an infant that had nothing to hide. Jesus often used infants and children to depict the empty spirit. He said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18.3 Children are not poor in spirit, but empty in spirit. They are ready to receive the kingdom of heaven. As adults, our spirit is cluttered with all kinds of concerns. That's why Jesus wants us to turn and become like children. Recently, God sent me a real-life example of the connection between childlikeness and the kingdom of heaven. I came across a recent video clip of Akiana Kramerik. Some of you might still remember her appearances years ago on many TV channels, including opera, as a prodigy of fine art. Since she was four years old, she started drawing some lifelike uh, pictures, and by six, she started painting amazing pictures of angels, Jesus, Mary, people, animals, and other Christian themes. Even though she grew up in an atheist family and no one had taught her about God, some of her paintings are now worth millions of dollars. And a portion of each sale goes to charity for disadvantaged children worldwide. It's a pleasant surprise to see her again, to find her still producing God-inspired paintings and poems. Anyone seeing her art would agree that they are works of angels, or at least beyond her age. Akiana said she received the visions for her paintings from God, and that God guided her to paint those images. She was often surprised to see her own work. She said, I couldn't believe I did that. We might doubt her claim at first, but the proof is in the pudding. No one can deny that her work has a divine touch unless they are too blind to see it. Jesus also used his work as an evidence of his relationship with God. He said, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. John 10, 37 to 38. Like Jesus, Akiana's journey was not smooth. Some Christians tried to tear her down, accusing her of blasphemy and fraud. Isn't it a sad world? 
There seem to be Pharisee-like Christians at every time and place to tear down God's servants and prophets. She said she was so discouraged at one point that she almost gave up painting. Would it be a shame if she did? The world would have been cheated of a witness to heaven on earth. Have you ever tried to do God's works and got discouraged by negative people or by the devil who doesn't want heaven to reveal it on earth? When a reporter asked how she received the vision from God, she said that everyone could receive it if they believe in it, that she was conscious of God's presence all the time. If everyone can receive God's vision like her, why don't we see more people like her? We all want God to speak to us, especially at times like this. As I watched her interviews and documentaries with deep interest, it confirmed that she embodies the pure emptiness and humility of a little child that Jesus described. She was full of humor, humility, and curiosity of a child. I hope she never grows out of it so that she will continue to produce divine artworks. She is 27 now. We know Jesus did not just teach us to be childlike, but he also personified a childlike attitude. And that's how he constantly connected with the Father and lived in heaven on earth at every moment when he was here. He offers to empty our cluttered spirit so that we can live in heaven on earth too. He said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:28 to 30. Based on the original language, the phrase humble in heart carries a similar meaning to empty in spirit. The word humble is translated from Greek, tapenos, meaning lowly or flat. That means not just humble, but flat humble, low to the ground or down to earth. So it's similar to empty poor. That's how Jesus lived in heaven on earth, through an empty spirit and flat down humility. It is the childlike state he talked about. Just three verses above, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Matthew 11:25. We can see a repeated theme in Jesus' teaching, the importance of becoming childlike, because heaven is revealed only to them. If we want to see the presence of God, we need to ask, what's in my cup? Jesus invites all you that are weary and carrying heavy burden. Does that include you? It includes me. Now let's look at how Jesus offers to empty our cups by responding to three instructions he gave 
in this famous invitation. Number one, come to me. He said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. That is an invitation to empty our cups. What's in your cup? What are you weary of or what heavy burdens are you carrying? Our cups are full for three reasons. Guilts or grudges from the past, worries about the future, and anxieties of the present. Jesus invites you to come to him because he is the author of grace, giving his life to wash away your past guilts and filling you with grace to release your grudges. He's also the author of life, and he secure your future, even for eternity. He is also the Emmanuel, God is with us. He sends God's presence to guide you on the right path, free of anxiety. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. The word rest is translated from Greek, and apostles, meaning refresh or reset. So translating it as rest is not precise because rest and reset are pretty different. Rest sounds like taking a break, but reset is like a reboot. When you reboot your computer, you clear everything in its RAM, random access memory. It empties your cup completely. All your burdens from your past, present, and future are emptied by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. No one else can do that because no one has made the sacrifice that could provide the same outcome. Your cup is empty by coming to him, making you ready to live in heaven on earth. Secondly, take my yoke upon you. The next invitation is take my yoke upon you. A yoke is an instrument to balance the burden between two animals. It's like an invitation to replace what is in your cup with his mission and be his partner. The kingdom of heaven is not a place but a path, a path that you don't walk alone but with God's presence. King David wrote, You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. That's why the translation of I will give you rest can be confusing because Jesus is not really giving you a rest but a reset to take a new path. He leads you on the right path of life where you feel the yoke is easy and the burden is light, full of joy and eternal pleasure, heaven on earth. Thirdly, learn from me. The third invitation is learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine. We see the word rest again here. The better translation is again, reset. You will be able to reset your soul and empty your cup by learning from his gentle and flat down humble heart. When your cup is empty of worldly burdens, you can refill it with God's presence. 
King David wrote, my cup overflows. He's not talking about overflowing with worldly pressures, but godly pleasures. That's it for today, and I hope you can take your first step to living in heaven on earth by clearing your past, present, and future burdens, taking on his easy yoke, and learning his secret to resetting your soul to become constantly conscious of God's presence. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound happiness. Amen. And Happy New Year again. Bye now.